0: Hey guys, welcome back to Indig- Indigenous Sisters Podcast. I am going to be doing today's episode by myself, but I do also have a very special guest with me today. Her name is Georgette. She- I met her on TikTok. Um, she is from Fort Mackay, um, and she is actually one of the first Native TikTokers that followed me back. <laughs> <laughs> so you can go ahead and introduce yourself.
1: Hey, I'm Georgette. Knee from Fort McKay First Nation here in Alberta, Canada. I am just going to be giving you guys a little bit of my story, my background, where I come from, my life from addictions to sobriety now.
0: And she does have a bunch of social media that I will link on our Facebook website and on our Instagram as well, because we do have an Instagram and a Facebook page as well. Um, But no, I will let her go right into her story. This is a very interesting one. I've been waiting all week to do this episode, (laughs) finding the time in that. But (laughs) thank you for coming on to our our podcast. I was very appreciative when you reached back out to me. I did not think you were going to answer me. (laughs) (laughs) I just
1: want to say thank you, first of all, for actually inviting me to do something like this. This is uh, the first time that I've ever done anything like this. I was, of course, a little nervous but excited (laughs) at the same time. Um, I guess I'm just going to jump right into it right from the beginning, because this is something that I've been thinking about all week too. And I'm like, where do I start with this?
0: (laughs) I know that's how we feel too. Whenever we do these episodes.
1: It's a, it's a tough one, but I guess I'm just going to start from, uh, I guess as early on in addiction as I could think of. Um, My mom was pretty open with, um, letting me know that she drank with me my whole pregnancy. So I guess my addiction started in the womb. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And it continued throughout my life. My mom wasn't always um, the nicest person. She was an alcoholic and uh, my dad was a workaholic. So a lot of my life was spent um, watching my mom drink daily. And it's not only the drinking, it was the abuse that happened and came with it it wasn't only the physical but it was mental emotional verbal and that continued on for pretty much a lot of my life up until my adulthood um I can early I can remember as early on as probably maybe six trying cigarettes and then Maybe around eight was when I first started getting introduced to um, sniffing. (laughs) As weird as that sounds, but it it was like the glue, the nail polish, the shoe polish. Mm -hmm. And that um, we did that with a lot of the older kids. I think they would just get us to do it to watch (laughs) our reaction and what we're going to do.
0: That's usually how it always is, though, with the older kids. Oh,
1: yeah, for sure. And then, like, when it came to um, my addiction of, uh, I guess I started with weed and uh, weed cigarettes drinking at 12. (laughs) And that was a continuous thing right up until I was, holy, I stopped smoking weed whenever I became pregnant at 17. And that pretty much was some of the last times, I guess, that I was continuously doing that. And, I mean, a lot of my life I spent uh, in foster care because my mom, when she would get drunk, would actually call the social workers and tell them to come and get us because she didn't want us anymore. And uh, so they would take us place us into homes we'd bounce from home to home a lot of the times the foster parents would take me and my sisters but not my brother so we'd be separated from him and my dad would continuously fight and fight and fight to get us back but because of the way my mom was um we weren't able to come back a lot of the times we'd be able to come and visit but there's uh Yeah, the last time I was in a foster home was when I was uh, 14, 14, 15, when I decided I, I just went to my dad's place and said, I'm not going back. And they didn't let me go back. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, I mean, a lot of my life was, uh, I guess, it wasn't the greatest. But it wasn't the worst. I can say that there's people that had A lot worse than I did.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure.
1: I mean, coming into, I mean, like having um, my mom being an alcoholic and having her intergenerational trauma passed down to us, my mom didn't know how to um, express herself or to talk about how, um, how. I guess her life impacted her, which led her to be the way she was to us. Mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> I guess my dad was the same way also because he's like every man out there. I guess he does not know how to express himself. Like I've never heard my dad hurt like hear him say that he loved us up until I was in my late 20s. He never, ever, ever expressed that he loved us but he I guess he kind of showed it to us
0: oh so it was just like very hard for them to show like empathy and affection towards you guys oh
1: yeah for sure we never we never had that growing up a lot of the times we got that from the people that would save us (laughs) and when I mean save us it was my cousins that lived just up the road that would come and try to rescue us each and every time my mom would, uh, abuse us or Mm -hmm. fall asleep with the cooking on and the house is smoking. And yeah, there's, I mean, if I go back and look at a lot of my life, it wasn't, uh, that great, (laughs) but my sister is, you know, they, they had it a lot worse than me because, Because I always had, uh, someone to come and rescue me and Mm -hmm. where, I guess that comes into favoritism.
0: Oh yes. Whereas
1: like, (laughs) they always said that it was because I was the light kid and my sisters Mm -hmm. were the darker ones
0: that I got favored.
1: So I think like, yeah, even till this day, you know, my sister, uh, My younger sister she she had a lot of resentment towards me and she finally was able to talk to me about it a couple of years ago Mm -hmm. that i got favored and they had to stick around and fend for themselves right where i i always had someone to uh come and take me away or try to get me out of the situation
0: I notice that's how it is like on a lot of reserves and settlements though, like favoritism just plays such a big part in families and, oh no, I totally understand that. That is just, oh, that's so horrible.
1: It is for sure. And then like, whenever my sister passed away, it uh, she, she passed away from uh, an overdose. She battled her addictions for as long as I can remember from whenever we were f- 14 she was 15 we were doing ecstasy doing shrooms smoking crack doing um cocaine drinking smoking we were promiscuous at 15 (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm.
1: it was I think it was just us maybe trying to numb what was going on in our lives or just trying to find love from other people Because we weren't getting that at home. Yeah. Whenever uh, my sister passed away there, it took a toll on not only me, but also my younger sister and my mom, right? Because Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I think my mom kind of saw that where my sister led was because of what happened in her life and they were Mm -hmm. both of them were they always had a place to go but they lived on the streets. that was what they wanted and that's why I'm always so humble when it comes to the homeless people in my area because they all know my mom my auntie and my sister all three of them were on the streets even though they had a a place to go but it's just their life of addictions that kept them there
0: oh yes no I I definitely understand that too like that's how my mom is so now I understand where you're coming from like with that it's and it's really hard to see them uh, struggle too because like you love them and you want to help them but you can't help people that don't want to be helped so it's very like hard to help people that want to be helped
1: yeah that's exactly what it is right no matter how much you try and try and try to help someone it's um it's not going to be beneficial to them because it's not what they want yet it's not they are not ready Mm -hmm. so like my mom my mom also like right up until the day that she passed away she she battled her addiction she also died from an overdose oh sorry my phone's going off here (laughs) all right yeah i still uh remember that day as if it were yesterday when my dad called me and said that you know i think your mom is dead (laughs) and i just i just got off work that day and um i thought he was joking that's my first reply to him was uh you're fucking joking right and i don't ever really swear when it comes to being around my dad but yeah but it was true like i went there and i just kind of freaked out and i held my mom until uh until the ambulance came and then they left and then I had to wait for the coroner to come because the ambulance wouldn't take her once they're gone. Really weird. So I just had to just, you know, sit with her for a while.
0: And in Fort MacKay, in Fort MacKay you guys are, what, about an hour and a half outside Fort McMurray, uh, right?
1: 40 minutes out of Fort McMurray, 40 yeah. Minutes. But we also oh, have, okay. like, the volunteer firefighter department here where they have their they're little medics and yeah they they I don't think they I don't even remember that they actually whenever they if they came or not uh
0: yeah I know that last time I was in um Fort Mackay it was 2014 I was in grade eight I knew this girl named Talissa out there Talissa oh
1: man she just lives down the street
0: yeah Crystal (laughs) world right (laughs) Crystal's daughter yeah a small world. <laughs> yeah I know the
1: I know the moms but
0: <laughs> yeah no she was my bestie back in oh, grade wow. eight
1: <laughs> you were out here um uh, I I
0: well I was living in uh Thickwood oh, at wow. the time yeah so she went to Father Merck and I went to Father Merck that's how we met each other
1: okay well that's neat
0: oh no Oh yeah, no, it's definitely a small world. When I found out you were from Fort McKay, I was like, "Oh my goodness!" I was like, "She probably <laughs> knows her."
1: <laughs> oh, that's awesome. But,
0: <laughs> but no, like I, I definitely do think like when people struggle with addictions, like it's so hard to watch them, especially like the people that you like that you're so close to and that you love. Like it's, it's definitely such like a heart like it's it just pulls your heartstrings it's so it's such a tough thing to go through
1: it is i watched it for years and like when i say i watched it i i was in it too but i was also watching i'm i'm pretty much the only one out of well there's four of us when it comes to my mom and dad but they also have their other kids from other people but there's just four mm-hmm. of us between uh my mom and dad <laughs> Yeah, I was I was bad into my addictions also like my kids. I lost a couple of years of my life of my kids' life. I was there but I was not there because I was heavily into coke. <laughs> and yeah. I I almost lost my job over it. Not the job that I got now, but the job previous to this one. And I think even then it was not a wake up call to me. I don't know what it was that actually made me stop, but I, oh yeah, it was one of my friend's son that did coke and he ended up dying from it because of the stuff that they're putting in it. So I said, after that, I am not not touching that at all. And then I stopped doing coke for a couple of years and then I ended up getting mm-hmm. into the wrong crowd and started smoking crack.
0: <laughs> preach. I mean, I didn't touch that, but I got I touched other stuff, but preach, wrong yeah. crowd. Yeah.
1: It definitely <laughs> is the wrong crowd, and I knew before before I even started hanging out with them, but I think it's the the helper in me that wanted to see if I can help these kind of Yeah. I, I yeah. that issue and I think that um It became a karmic relationship for me because I realized like after I stopped talking to the crowd that I tried to do the same thing to my mom and my sister and Mm -hmm. trying to change them and trying to, you know, get them to see the good in life. Like my, my sister has kids, right? And she's, she has three kids that she left behind. But after stopping talking to this crowd, I realized that it was a karmic relationship for me that. I can't I can't I can't get people to change I can't get people to sober Mm -hmm. up and see that there's more to life than the drugs or the drinking or whatever
0: And, and and especially like some people like like I know like with me like I'm such a giving person like I'll give and give and give and before when I was younger I used to like give so much to the point where I'd be like well I have nothing else to give and Like, I don't know what else to give these people. Yeah, it's
1: draining. It's physically Mm -hmm. and mentally draining. I think that's why I spend a lot of time by myself now because I feel a lot of people's energies and a lot of people come to me with their problems. I don't really go to anybody when it comes to my problems because I I just, I talk on my Snapchat or I talk on my TikTok or, you know, I, I, I try to talk, but I don't talk to my best friends when it comes to my problems because I just don't want to mm-hmm. drag them into that. But I find like, because I went to counseling, I did my journal and I went to sweats and I, I tried everything after my relationship to um, better myself because I knew that I was not mentally stable and mm-hmm. like it led me to for attempted suicides after my sister's death. The most recent one was the last day I decided to stop drinking. And tomorrow is my eight months sober.
0: Congratulations. Oh, thank you. I'm proud of you.
1: <laughs> it was, uh, it wasn't really tough. I mean, at the beginning, but, but I find like some days it does get a little hard because it gets frustrating when it comes to the kids and work and life. And that used to be my coping Mm -hmm. mechanism going running to drink to numb the pain. Whereas now I just got to kind of smudge and, and talk about it with somebody and stay away and try to keep myself busy.
0: Yeah. Um, So when you were um, recovering, um, When you were on the road to your sobriety, was it, like, very challenging for you? Was it hard at first?
1: Um, In the beginning, it was pretty easy, actually, because I kept going back to when... That's the last kind of thing that I remembered whenever I was drinking that day was, I don't even want to be here anymore. So I keep kind of going back to that day, and then the next day waking up to see my kids. And I'm like, no how selfish of me to try to leave my kids motherless. And my son's told me before, he said, mom, if anything were to ever happen to you, I wouldn't be here either. So that would be, you know, not only taking my life, that would be damaging my kids too. So every time I think of drinking, I go back to listening to my son say that, And it's not even, it's not worth it at this point. And I think like right now, I'm just kind of at the stubborn point where I'm just gonna keep going and keep going. And when people tell me that they have hangovers and stuff, I'm kind of like, right on. (laughs) I don't miss that at all. (laughs) I remember those. I don't miss them For you.
0: That's your right? problem, not mine. <laughs> like my ex, I feel that my ex came over
1: and I had a drive with him today, and he went out and drank last night.
0: You're sitting there like you stupid uh, I was boy. Like, Man,
1: <laughs> you stink! Like you freaking smell so bad. And he's like, "Wow, what?" I'm like, "You smell like booze. It's freaking gross." <laughs> he's like, "Oh, do I really?" Can we stop at the store? And I'm like. No, we got I gotta gotta go for my wax today. I don't got time for that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You're right. Not mine. Deal with (laughs) it (laughs) after. So when um so would you say when you started TikTok, was TikTok a way for coping? Um like with your so like with your addictions and that? Um,
1: no, why I started TikTok actually was because um my kids said i wouldn't be able to get likes or followers so i just i only really went on to prove (laughs) a point to them and i didn't think that it was going to uh i didn't think i'd make it to where i am now with the over fifty thousand followers
0: oh yeah no like i i remember when i found you on tiktok one day you were on my for you page and i was like i i can't remember which uh which one it was um yeah I can't remember which one it was but um or no it was like your daughters were teaching you how to do a TikTok dance and I thought it was so cute (laughs) and after that I like followed you and then I think the most recent one I watched today was, uh, you did a stitch with someone and it was like the lion roar. Yeah. I thought it was so funny. I was like, Oh my goodness. I was like, just sending it to my friend. I was like, check this out. I was like, you have to go and follow her. I was like, she's so hilarious. <laughs> I'm like,
1: shit, I got my outfit on. I'm going to be rocking this. One. <laughs> <laughs> I-
0: no, I, <laughs> I definitely, um, every time i see like a new tiktok that you post sometimes i just have to put it on my snapchat because it's so (laughs) funny
1: (laughs) my kids keep seeing it on their for you page too and i find it pretty freaking hilarious
0: so were they like uh when they found out that their mom like uh well which which tiktok got you famous like which tiktok video Mm -hmm. that you did got yourself famous
1: Oh, I think it's, like, one of the first ones that I did was I saw a lady posting, oh, my husband got this for me, my husband got this for me, my husband got this for me, and I was like, what the hell? So I went and made a video. I'm like, I got this by myself, I got this by myself, <laughs> and I got this by myself, and, and just kind of went from there.
0: So when your kids found out that you were becoming TikTok famous – what was their like initial reaction? What was reaction?
1: No, she was mad at me at the beginning. She was pretty pissed off.
0: <laughs> She's like, "I wanted it to be me. <laughs> I wanted to blow up." <laughs> She's like, "Now it's my mom." <laughs> the,
1: you were pretty mad too, hey, Brady. I was like, I was like, "No way! I'm gonna be like, no way! You're not gonna be me." Yeah, <laughs> and then I remember like <laughs> watching it climb and climb and climb, and I was just waiting. Until I passed where they were, and I went into their rooms, and I uh, mm-hmm. made another TikTok and look like, how do you feel. I beat you now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so was it like really exciting watching it was, the numbers it climb was up?
1: Actually, really exciting. It was pretty. Um, even just to get to the first, what was it? Whenever you started, baby, how much did you have on there? Like a thousand or some two followers dollars, or something? Two or three oh yeah, two or three thousand followers. So I was just like. Let me do this. I can do this. (laughs) And now it's just kind of, whenever I hit the 50,000 there, I was pretty, pretty impressed. And the first people I told, obviously, were my kids and they're I think oh well, yeah. they're my they're my best friends they're the only people that I see on the daily so yeah preach <laughs> yeah, I do I love you I just don't like you Yeah, fans. right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's how my kids are too Autumn's like whatever mom <laughs> um I just I, I actually remember one of the first um well one of the TikToks that you made that actually stuck in my head it was one where you were calling out that one person and you're like, your mom should have swallowed. <laughs> I freaking burst out laughing. I could not contain my laughter. I was like, "Tisha, you got to see this.
1: I don't understand how people can be so damn rude when it comes to, uh, you know? Right? Like, there are on our It just boggles my mind that people can be so racist like that and have no content and just, you know, take that extra time to go make a TikTok Profile to go and say some really messed up shit to people. I mean, you know, there's people out there that can't handle criticism or judgment and stuff, and that causes people to, you know, commit suicide. You might just be the reason that someone takes their life one day. So I don't know why people can't just keep their flaps trapped, like, just just close it.
0: Oh no! Like I definitely agree. Like I once I seen that I had when I, I had to go and check. I had to find. I had to go and snoop. <laughs> women are <FCI. laughs> and like no, I. Right, right. When when we're nosy, <laughs> we gotta know who, who, we're where right? you're living, where you're from, who you're family yes. with. <laughs> if we're family, <laughs> women will
1: always find a way. Um.
0: Oh no! Yes, I. That's how I track on my <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> you would
1: hold me up I at 2 a.m <laughs> seeing if they wrote any statuses
0: about missing me Just kidding. <laughs>
1: oh man that's funny because I used to do that whenever um my ex blocked me right <laughs> like did he go and say something about me I'm like go to my other friends that will have him or whatever and I'll be like oh, you know find out now I don't care really him and I are him and I are pretty good oh, yeah. together we uh we didn't work out together after a 10-year relationship but but we're pretty good co-parents one now. of my exes back huh? from the other
0: team <laughs> I was like one of my exes back from the <laughs> other team man. so we're good <laughs> <laughs> besties forever
1: <laughs> oh man no me and my ex are pretty good I'm I'm my truck's actually in the shop right now, and he let me take his truck because he's going to be heading out to BC. So, um, oh, okay. yeah, thankfully we're good.
0: Well, that's good. At least you guys are good. I mean, I can't say the same for me and my exes. But... <laughs> I still be I've watching. Only had
1: two exes, so I'm glad I'm good with at least one.
0: I don't know nothing about that either <laughs> um but anywho um when you so like at what point in your life when like when it came to your kids um what at what point in your life did you say like I have to stop this like I want to be there for my kids I want to like I, I want to be present uh, that with them. was
1: literally eight months ago that was it Out of the 20 years of my addiction, um, eight months ago was when I kind of woke up and said, This is not the life that I want for them. I want to be around for them. I want them to see at least one sober parent. And Mm -hmm. um, I mean, it's been going pretty good. eh?
0: Well, that's good. Like, I'm, I'm so happy. Like, you know, I'm really happy when I see like indigenous people like getting sober because you see so many people that are like, traumatized from generational trauma and they're so like hard into drugs and alcohol and it's it's so horrible like even with people you grow up to like you you grow up playing like tag and grounders and this and that and then you when you're an adult like you see them either smoking crack or drinking and and it's heartbreaking because like at one point you guys were really close but it's you can't like also give your energy into someone that doesn't that would never be yeah, the same for sure
1: you know, like a lot of my generation, the people that I grew up with, not too many of them are uh, my, just my close circle of friends. Two of them are pretty much sober. I surround myself with sober people. But yeah. I notice that the generation under us are a bunch of lost souls. And that's like, not something that I want for my kids. So I think that... I already made the choice to move off the res, and we are going to be doing that in August. Oh,
0: that's so awesome. Yeah.
1: Congratulations, you guys. I find in order um, to uh, grow and move forward with our life, we've got to go somewhere new. Can't keep staying here.
0: Yeah, you got to plant your yeah. roots somewhere. I love it here, but, um, but it's just
1: uh, yeah, it's it's time to go
0: it's just, you know, like, no, I could definitely agree, like, um because I, like, I am younger than you, me and Keisha are younger than you, like, um I could definitely agree, like, our generation is such a shit, such a shit show, it's unbelievable, like, you know, like, I've seen so many people that I've went to school with that are, like, either selling drugs, doing drugs, like, hard into drinking, and, like, like that's that's how I used to be. But then like when I got out of it, like I really looked at the I really looked at the people that I thought were my friends and I was like, Oh my goodness you guys have no idea like how bad it's gonna be for you guys in a few years. Like you guys can't do this for the rest of your life. Uh, that's lives.
1: like one of my friends, she's she <laughs> one of my friends, it's hard to um see her. I have to pull myself away from her because she continuously drinks and drinks and drinks and does drugs and you know, it's like watching your your best friend die in front of you. You know what I mean? There's no way that yeah. I can help her. I keep trying to bring her over here, sober her up. She lasts a couple of days and then she's right back to square one again. So, yeah, it's, it's tough for her.
0: It is. Oh, no, like it is draining. Like I used to live by um, Lackawish, like the Lackawish area there. And I ended up moving and I came up to Grand Cache oh, three wow. years ago. That's where it from. And I had, <laughs> um, do you know, like, that little uh, community called Kikino yeah. outside Lackawish? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's where I'm from. Yeah. yeah, so um, when I had moved away from there three years ago, I had moved to Grand Cache. Uh, that's where I'm currently staying. Um, But before then, I had, like, a best, best friend. Like, me and her grew up together. We did everything together. And then, you know, I moved away and I came back a year later to come and visit. And, like, she was a totally different person. Like, she she was drinking and she was doing drugs that I never thought she would have been doing. And, like, I couldn't believe it. Like, it, it, it does feel like you are watching your best friend die. Like, even though they don't see it from that perspective, like, it's totally how you feel. And, like, you know, like, the more that you wish you could change them, like, it's just, like, they they don't care. And like, eventually one day, like, I hope like they do have like an eye opener and like they do get sober in that, but like, it is definitely hard to be around them when they're like that because like it, you just want to cry all the time. Like you don't want to see your best That's friend go exactly through something like what that. it
1: is. It's, it's really sad seeing someone go through that. And then it's the, it's the issue with them not asking for the help. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot obviously going on mm-hmm. in their minds from their past that they have not dealt with and that they're trying to drown out or numb out the pain and just forget. But it's just always trying, I'm trying to open up avenues for her where she can get the help that she needs. Like I try to get her to come to sweats with me or, you know, try to convince her to do some counseling. And it's, there's only so much you can do before you got to walk away because it's just physically draining on you.
0: Oh, yeah, no, I definitely agree. And like, it's, it's draining spiritually too. like, like, I know, like, um, they're like, from where I'm from, like, there's so many people there that don't think the way that people up here think like, so many people up here, like, they're all about healing, like themselves. And like, like, when I moved up here, like, I was so broken. And like, I like, I was just so mentally drained and like, physically drained. And like, coming up here, it was just like a whole entire new eye opener. And like, I had got, like, over the past three years, like, I've healed from so much stuff that I never thought I would heal from. And, like, even when I look back at Kikano, like, I couldn't believe, like, like, what made me want to stay there from the beginning? Like, what was even there for me? Like, it was just the same toxic people every day, the same toxic stuff every day. Like, it was either drinking or doing drugs. And then, like, you know, you look back on it now, and it's like, it was a complete waste of time. Yeah, it
1: definitely is. I find, like, being on the res, I find... (laughs) The winter time, winter time Preach. is easy enough to stop drinking. But when it comes to summer, I find this is going to be like my true test, right? That's only whenever I happen to see anybody's, whenever they're drinking. So I, I'm gonna try to, yeah, stay away. I think like mentally, I'm strong enough to stay away and just say no. That's that's not what I want right now, anyways. But
0: yeah. <laughs> We'll see how it goes. I mean, everyone can have their hot girl summer. You don't need to be drinking to do it. Like you can go camping, you can go like whitewater rafting. Like for sure. See, I do a lot of that. A lot
1: of people say, like, I don't know how you go out and do all this stuff by yourself, but when you were so dependent on being with someone or having someone in your life for I was with someone for pretty much fifteen years of my life. I was dependent on having someone with me all the time even whenever I broke up with my ex um, I always had like I said my best friend who (laughs) was a constant drinker living with me and I just had to learn Mm -hmm. to be by myself and that took a lot for me to do that so the first thing I did was uh, I flew to Hawaii by myself (laughs) and I didn't drink Whenever I was there, I just kind of journaled and I processed a lot of my life. I wrote it down and knew that I had to go through all of my life in order for me to properly heal myself. And that that took a lot out of me. That took a lot of me going through because I bottled a lot of my emotions up. Not only that, I blocked a lot of my childhood out. And I don't remember a lot of it. I have to ask my best friend because she knows pretty much everything, right? And, uh, yeah. Well then standing outside, it's cool. <laughs> that one was, uh, <laughs> that one was, uh, probably one of the toughest stages I'd have to say in my life because, um, digging back deep and then. Actually, having a conversation with my mom before she passed away um, about what she did to us when we were kids, and from her recollect her recollection, she does not um remember a lot of it and but at least I got to you know get that out to her before yeah. she passed away that was healing for me. And I was able to, you know, let her know that I forgive her for, or I forgave her for everything that she did to all of us. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the healing part, healing part of your uh, journey is, is a tough one. And I'm still, still healing to this day because there's still a lot of stuff unresolved that I will catch. I'll catch myself going into yeah. a depression because I battle... <laughs> I battled depression pretty bad, and once I get into those states, I'm stuck in bed for days.
0: And I think, like, that's another thing, too, like, with like within Native, like, within, like, Native families, like, in, Indigenous families, um, you know, like, I noticed, like, a lot of people, like, they deal with, like, depression and anxiety, but then, you know, you have, you also have those people in your family that are supposed to be, like, your inner circle family that should be there for you, but then they're also, like, Oh, no, you're not depressed. Oh, it's not depression. Oh, I, you know, like it's, depression isn't even a thing. Like, I think it's just like, it comes down to the point, like, I don't think they've dealt with their healing. So then, you know, like they try and it's kind of like a rebound. They'll just, or like a reflection, I guess they'll just reflect whatever they have been told on you.
1: See, I agree with that also. Like I find a lot of people since I got on my healing journey is a lot of people are trying to tell me that, you know, I'm fake. I think that I'm too good for everybody, but it's not that it's, it's the fact that, you know what? I seek the help that I knew I needed. And Mm -hmm. I still to Mm -hmm. this day will, you know, validate that I'm, I don't have my shit together. (laughs) I do not have my shit together. There's a lot of days where I sit and I cry But I talk about it. I ask for the help. I seek the help that I feel that I need. And the people are still stuck on, you know, me being the person that I was before. But I'm constantly changing because I want to change. Yeah. No, I
0: definitely agree with you. Um, No, I definitely agree with you. Like, there's just so much um people that haven't even healed from their journeys like from like from their life journeys and you know like I know like generation like probably like maybe two generations beat like before me like for sure like with the residential schools and everything like I know my family members uh my great-grandparents have went to residential schools so like I know sometimes like it's hard like yeah like they stripped you of like your identity and that too and like I know, like how hard it must have been for them to like come back and try and live a normal a normal life after mm-hmm. that, like they couldn't. So, but like at the end of the day, like you know, it's it's your choice to either stay like that or you could make the choice and one hundred
1: percent. And I feel like a lot of people don't want to go on that that journey specifically because it brings up a lot of the past and a lot of the past that they mm-hmm. have blocked out. And blocked out for a reason, but
0: mm-hmm.
1: they don't realize that it makes them the person that they are today if they're staying miserable or if they're staying having a grudge or being angry or, you know, like people don't like that I'm happy. <laughs> I'm, I'm, <laughs> <No one does. laughs> I study like laughing, Everyone's and like joking, <laughs> being happy, but I'm also, a, you know, a little crybaby bitch. <laughs>
0: Yeah. <laughs> <Preach>.
1: <laughs> I mean, I can be all of them, right? So, <laughs>
0: right. <laughs> but,
1: uh, um. Yeah. Go
0: ahead. Uh oh, sorry. you oh, can, no. If ahead. you still have a few more things. Oh, I was just gonna say we are at the forty-minute mark. So I was just gonna say, like, do you want to wrap it up, or do uh, you want to keep going? Me
1: really. Duh, what were your questions?
0: Oh, I have oh. like pretty much passed them throughout <laughs> the whole entire
1: episode. <laughs> i was just going no i think uh, i think we should be good like i shared a little bit i didn't share too much but enough i guess
0: (laughs) well we could like also like i know like keisha does want to like uh do an interview with you as well like so whenever she's on days off we could also do another interview in the future as well um but yeah like i'll just do like a small prayer before we go just so like you know no negativity hangs around us and um But yeah, um, uh, dear creator, I just want to, uh, thank you for this marvelous day and thank you for another day for us to be here and be healthy and be happy. And, um, I want to thank you for giving me the opportunity to speak with Georgette. Um, it was really, really, really Like I was really, really happy to get to know her on a different level besides knowing her through TikTok videos and that. So I just want to thank you for this life and this day and, I hope that you just make sure like that there's positive energy left in this room and nothing negative. Um, so yeah, thank you, creator. Hi. Yeah. Hey, hey. Um so I will uh let you know next time Keisha wants to talk. Um yeah. when she's on days off. Um but thank you so much, Georgia. It was really, really it nice, nice talking, talking to you.
1: Too. Thank you for having me.